Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Hey everyone, hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You know, I hope that you have been blessed so far by our time in the Psalms lately. You know, every week in this series, we've been sending out Psalms for you to read in preparation for the messages on Sunday. And I really hope that you've been reading those because that is the best way to get the most out of this series. If you're not receiving those TCC weekly emails, please, please contact our church office and we'll get you connected because we want to corporately engage in this, in unity, pulling in the same direction, operating as a body. The word of God is sustenance for us and so we want to be sharing in the same meal together. We don't want to be just doing our own thing. It's great to have your own devotionals. It's great to have your own reading plan. It's great to have your own Bible studies. You know, don't stop doing that. Keep going. But we're a church. We're not just on our own personal faith journey, and we want to share a meal together, to be on the same page so that we can edify one another, sharing with one another what God is saying to us through his word. This priesthood of believers is, is not restricted to the teaching team, and church is not a spectator sport. And this concept is really important for us today because our primary text is Psalm 119. That's the longest psalm in the book, and I couldn't possibly do all 176 verses of it justice in 20 minutes. So to properly engage with this book, we want you to be reading it. Not just to hear it on Sunday, but to be in it during the week and to add it to your reading if you're already well-disciplined in reading your Bible, or to challenge and give an opportunity for those who struggle with reading their Bible. What Psalm 119 impresses upon us is that as Christians, we need to be in the Word. It's not optional. It's essential. The longest psalm in the book is all about the Word of God. 
the devotion to it, the dedication to it, the meditation of it, the benefits from it, and the love for it. It's almost as if the psalmist thinks it's important. You know, there are all kinds of pragmatic benefits for us to be in the Word. God's Word can comfort us in difficult times. Verse 28 says, My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Verse 50, my comfort in my suffering is this. Your promise preserves my life. Verse 52, I remember, Lord, your ancient laws, and I find comfort in them. Verse 143, trouble and distress have come upon me, but your commands give me delight. Verse 147, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. God's word comforts us. God's word also gives us wisdom and understanding. Verse 98 through 100, your commands are always with me and makes me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. Verse 104, I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Verse 130, the unfolding of your words gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. Verse 105, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. God's word gives us wisdom and understanding. And God's word also brings us to repentance and leads us toward righteousness. Verse 138, the statutes you have laid down are righteous. They are fully trustworthy. Verse 66 through 68, teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I trust your commands. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Verse 9, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. There's all kinds of practical benefits for us to be in God's word. And maybe we'll talk about that more later. But for today, I, I want to see something else in this psalm. You know, so often in our approach to the Bible, in our reading of the Bible, we, we approach it as just a discipline. And it is a discipline. Reading and studying the Bible is a discipline. It requires work. It requires devotion. It requires dedication. Yes, it does. But we need to mature in our approach to the Bible. Diving into it, not simply as a spiritual chore, but as a source of joy. That we delight in God's word. And that's what it says in Psalm 119 over and over and over again. Verse 14, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Verse 16, I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Verse 20, my soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. Verse 72, the law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Verse 111, your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. Is that how we feel about God's word? 
You know, I think that if we felt that way, we would probably read it. But the reality is, most Christians don't. Now, I say God's word, and that's certainly applicable, but in context, when the Psalms are talking about the word of God, it's talking about the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. If you had your pick, I doubt that any of you would say that those are your favorite books of the Bible. Now, if I'm wrong, please let me know. I'd love to capture some of your love and zeal for those books. But for most people, if they're just trying to read through the Bible canonically, they'll usually get stuck in the first five books. Genesis is fine, got some interesting stories. Exodus starts well, but it gets a little bogged down. Leviticus, that's probably where most beginners drop out. Numbers has some interesting stories, but otherwise it's like reading a spreadsheet. Deuteronomy is like rereading something you just read. I mean, those are the books that the psalmist loves? Those are the books that they delight in? That they long for? Leviticus? Really? Those are the books that fill them with joy? How can that be? Uh, I'm Really? How can that be? I don't think that the love expressed here for the Torah is simply because of what it says, though that's certainly a part of it. But it's also about what it means. Let's turn back to Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet, their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. So we have general revelation. God reveals his existence to us through creation. We can get a glimpse of God by general revelation. We can grasp elements of his nature and his character. But God doesn't stop there. No, he speaks to us in his word, revealing more of who he is. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect because he's perfect. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy because he's trustworthy. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous, because he's righteous. We see him in his word. We know him by his word. And it's not just that God said it. It's that he said it to us. God's word, starting with the Torah, is God reaching out to us. That step of God, that act of God in special revelation shows us that he loves us. It shows us that he has compassion for us. It shows us that he wants us to know him and to have relationship with him, to have fellowship with him, to be reconciled to him. God giving us his word, giving us the Torah is a bold step of God toward our redemption and salvation. David declares in Psalm 19, verse 11, By them your servants is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He is our redeemer. 
and his special revelation to us is a catalyst for our redemption. So the joy and delight that we have in God's word is not just that he said it, but that he said it to us. That's why the psalmist love it. He reaches out to us by his word, revealing who he is so that we may know him and love him and have fellowship with him again. The word of God is God reaching out to us, condescending to us like Jesus. John puts it this way in the opening of his gospel. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And then it says this, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews declares, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The love and delight and joy that we find in Jesus is the same love and the same delight and joy that the psalmists have for the word. Because the word and the word made flesh shows us who God is. And by that word and the word made flesh, we are led to redemption and reconciliation with God. You know, we have friends who have gone through international adoption. And with international adoption, it usually plays out in a certain way. You start the process. And then one day, you get a notification Here's your child. They get a photograph. They get to see their son or their daughter, and they get to start to correspond with them. It's a special day. You know, it's no longer theoretical. No, their son, their daughter is real. Their child has a name. Their child is a person with characteristics and personality. That's a special day. But it gets better. There's another day that comes when it's no longer just a a two-dimensional photograph, but it's 3D. The image takes on flesh. They get to meet their child and, and hug and hold their son or their daughter. And that's a special day. But it gets even better. Because a day comes when they get to take their child home and make a life together, living with them. And there's joy and delight. God starts the process with creation. We can believe in God by that, conceptually, theoretically, but we don't really know him. So God reaches out to us in his word. He corresponds with us. He gives us a picture of himself. But he doesn't stop there. No, the word becomes flesh in the person of Jesus. The word becomes flesh when we at last meet Jesus. But he doesn't stop there. He adopts us as sons and daughters. And when we are adopted as his children, his spirit indwells us and lives with us forever. You know, I think Christians should be involved in fostering an adoption if for no other reason than it so beautifully captures the gospel. Now, the Holy Spirit and Jesus don't replace our need for God's word. 
it's not a perfect analogy. The Bible is still principally and primarily the means by which God speaks to us and reveals himself to us. But because of the atoning work of Jesus on the cross, when he takes away our sins, God's spirit can then abide with us. And by that spirit, God's word speaks to us like never before. When Jesus rose from the dead and met his disciples, it says this in Luke chapter 24. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he dis disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? It is through Christ and by his spirit that the words of God speak to us. How many times in Psalm 119 did they ask for God to teach them and to give them understanding for his word? Verse 12, praise be to you, Lord, teach me your decrees. Verse 18, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Verse 33 through 34. Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Verse 66. Teach me knowledge and good judgment for I trust your commands. Verse 68. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Verse 73, your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. Verse 124 through 125, deal with your servant according to your love and teach me your decrees. I am your servant. Give me discernment that I may understand your statutes. Verse 169, May my cry come before you, Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Jesus is the answer to that petition. Jeremiah 31, verse 33 says this, This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. That's the covenant that Jesus institutes. When we come to the word made flesh, his spirit opens our hearts and our minds to reveal who God is. And as we grow to know him more, we grow in our love and our worship of him like the Psalms do. That, that's the pattern of it. As we worship, that should lead us to his word, to want to know him better. And as we're in his word and knowing him more, that should lead us to want to worship and praise him all the more. If that's not our pattern, then there's a disconnect somewhere. The joy and the delight that is derived from God's word is a glimpse for us of heaven. In the last battle, the, the final installment of C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia, the characters enter into heaven and they start exploring it. And it says this, It was the unicorn who summed up what everyone else was feeling. I have come home at last. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The reason why we love the old Narnia 
is that it sometimes looked a little like this. Come further up, come further in. Oh, heaven is a place where we shall plunge the depth of the eternal one, knowing him more and more day by day, and so loving him deeper and deeper, abounding in joy and delight all the more with each successive moment. But you know, we don't have to wait for that. We can start that today by plunging into his word to know him more and so love him better. Come on, let's, let's go further up and further in. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.